0: Hey guys, it's Dipney here. Wow, have we had a week. (laughs) There's been a lot of data come in, there's still lots of lockdowns and they're having economic effect both from the business confidence perspective as well as uh, what's going in property. However, what's happening in property may not necessarily be what you expect. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. So let's get into this week's Intelligent Property Masterclass. So let me, uh, let me just share my screen. Now, one of the things I want to talk about this week is uh, why I do what I do. Well, first of all, I do what I do because I want to make you more intelligent. The more you know about property, the more you know about what's actually going on in the economy and things like that, the better equipped you are to make better decisions. Now, the more information you have, the better decisions you make, the more money you make. And that's that's just a fact. That's just how the world works. So uh, that's why I do these uh, these masterclasses now. If you're listening to me on a podcast, either on Spotify or on uh, iTunes, then please, please, at some point in time, jump across to my website, iloverealestate.tv, and get and subscribe to my to my um, podcasts and and to my masterclasses so that you get them every week. You can do it on YouTube and you can do it on, um, you know, any of the other platforms out there, Facebook, et cetera, that that I'm on. So hope you enjoy this week's masterclass. I do them every week. All right, so what are we covering specifically? How the lockdown is affecting business confidence, how inflation got to a 13-year high. Can you believe that? And uh, a bit of an overview over the the property figures, as well as I want to talk about the RBA and why it's pretty relaxed about what's going on in the uh, inflation stakes, even though normally this would create a reaction. And this week, we've also got some figures out from Westpac and what their economists are saying, what their predictions are for the economy ahead and property in in, uh, particular. All right. So, as you know, I'm an accountant, I'm an economist, so we're going to start with economics. We're going to start with the Australian economy. What's going on? <clears throat> All right. Well, one of the things that um, has been in the news absolutely everywhere, and, and look, I've, <laughs> I've tuned in a little bit lately to some of the, um, the mainstream media, and I've got to tell you, oh my God, is there anything else on the TV apart from how many vaccines we've had or not had or whatever? Look, it's a it's a hot topic. I'm not going to go into it. But the fact is, the last lot of lockdowns have caused an increase in uh, vaccinations right across the country. And, uh, you know, whether you like it or you don't like it, the reality is that it's, um, it, it's certainly having an impact on things like business confidence. Now, look, the lockdowns that we're having at the moment are, very costly. I mean, the last lot of lockdowns we had in Victoria, what they worked out to is around about $4.5 billion a week. Um, Victoria, not so bad this time, but oh my goodness, what's happening in New South Wales. So, uh, the the figure for New South Wales, the actual figures haven't come out, but I can tell you now, it's going to be higher than what we saw for for Victoria, because it's a larger economy. It represents the, the largest Um, part of our GDP. It is the largest economic state in Australia. So it's hurting. It's hurting big time. But confidence, when you look at confidence, and this chart's great to have a look at because you can see it over a long period of time. Now, this goes back to 2011. So even though these last lockdowns have had a significant effect on confidence, they have also been pretty good Across the board, I mean, if you look at where we were previously, uh, we're still we're still pretty high. We're not in the doldrums. It's not cause for concern. When you look at across the states, the same thing applies. Really, um, you know, you you look at South Australia, WA, uh, Tasmania, Queensland, Victoria. The only one that's actually down is New South Wales, and that's for obvious reasons. The lockdowns are having an impact. But it's the first big impact that New South Wales has actually had. I mean, talk to Victoria and they say, yeah, come and start whinging when you get to uh, 200 days in lockdown. And, you know, New South Wales is nowhere near that just yet. Across the sectors, you can see most are pretty good. The only one that is actually down is manufacturing, as far as confidence is concerned. So if you look at 100 as being the baseline, um, it's it, manufacturing has slipped to 98.1, but the rest are still above. I mean, the big big uh, areas of confidence are wholesale, uh, public admin and, and defence, obviously, they're going to guarantee jobs and those sort of things in the public service. Agriculture is good. Prices are up in the agricultural sector. Media is good. Telcos are good. Property and business services are good. Finance is is good, but not quite as good as, as, you know, the other sectors. And all those other sectors that I mentioned are somewhere between uh, 134 to 150, so massively up. Finance a little bit further down, 111, not too bad. Um, accommodation and food. Now, this is a little bit surprising because most people think that, oh, you know, all the hospitality sectors, they're suffering, suffering, and they are, but uh, it's coming in, business confidence is still up at 106, which is pretty good. Same for electricity, water, gas, um, and uh, very similar there for recreation and personal. So, it's really manufacturing that is suffering from a, a confidence perspective. Now, this is the big, big news. Inflation has just come out. Um, at 3.8%. Oh my God. The last time we got to 3.8% in inflation was a long time ago, 13 odd years ago. And as immediately we got to that kind of level, what did the RBA do? They implemented price um, interest rate hikes. In fact, they forced the interest rates up to over 7%. Will this happen this time? No, it won't. And here's why. The quick answer is no. And the reason for that is because most of this 3.8% inflation is coming in from one-off measures. Childcare, you know, last year in 2020 when childcare was made free, it's not anymore. So there's a big rebound there. So we're seeing the massive uplift, but really it's just going back to what it was before. Construction, very similar. We had the construction grants. And that caused massive, massive explosion in the construction industry. Will it happen again? Well, not unless the government comes out with another kind of grant uh, in the construction industry. So it's just a rebound back up to perhaps where we should have been. And for the tiniest milliscule of seconds last year in 2020, we saw oil prices take a dip. And of course, they're now back up to where they were before. So all of these are one-off measures. So what we're seeing is inflation, yep, in the record figure, it came in at 3.8%. And this was very, very similar to what happened in the US. Uh, The US had massive increase in inflation. But again, why was it caused? Mainly because of the economy pretty much getting back to as much normality as it could. Is it going to continue at those kind of rates? No. And this is really the chart you should be looking at because what this shows is the mean annual inflation, which is at 1.6%. So that's pretty good. 1.6% is actually pretty good considering what we've been through and everything else. The RBA is not going to react and start increasing interest rates until that rate gets to their target range of somewhere between 2 to 3% that's when we're going to start to see intervention from the, um, you know, from the RBA and we'd start to see interest rates start to go up. It's not now. Don't get concerned or, uh, or have fear or any of the other things around where the inflation's at at the moment, because it really is just from one-off measures. If we look at things from a sector perspective, uh, transport is big and biggie, you know, there's lots of moving around of, of everything, uh, health Obviously, because of the situation we find our, ourselves in, and things like household contents and services, etc., they're all up. The big ones that are down are uh, recreation because of our lockdowns, and uh, also communication. Understandably, you know, we've we've had a we've had a, a year of of turmoil. So one of the big big um, positives that we're seeing out of these the figures lately is that our terms of trade have gone through the roof. This is the biggest rise in our terms of trade that we have had ever. What do I mean by terms of trade? Well, basically it means that we are exporting more. And that's a good thing for the country because what it means is more new money is coming into the country. More new money means we've got more to circulate, which means we can create more jobs, which creates more money, which creates more demand, which makes the economy go round. Now, why is this? Look, the main reason for this is commodity prices. Commodity prices have gone up through the roof and that's why we're seeing this increase in trade. And this chart really shows that. You can see the commodity index there put out by the Reserve Bank of Australia. And what it shows is that, uh, you know, that, look at that rise, it's massive. It's the biggest rise that it was since we've had, you know, back pre-GFC, really. Manufacturing is pretty good. Now, even though I said manufacturing was suffering from the, the last lot of figures because of the lockdowns, overall, manufacturing is pretty good. And uh, we're seeing the confidence in the manufacturing area quite strong. So, they see this as a short-term thing. It's not something to be concerned about, these the short-term lockdowns and what that means for manufacturing. I am very heartened by the fact that since COVID, we have become more reliant on Australia made. And that's always a good thing for the country. So you can see here that even though the, the confidence has started to come off just a little bit because of the lockdowns, it's it's much, much higher than it has been since, since 2000. You know, confidence in this sector has not been this high since the year 2000. Well, even before that, actually, but my chart only goes back to the 2000s. So uh that's a good thing and if we can keep this going and keep the the pride back in the country and have the the you know uh, a lot more resonance i suppose with australian made as opposed to something made in china or anywhere else uh it's going to be a lot better for this country hopefully the government takes that on board Now this is a uh, a prediction put out by credit suisse and it's quite interesting because credit suisse takes a big Uh, play in analysing businesses and what they're doing, and sorry, not businesses, countries, and uh, what they're doing and how they're expected to perform. So when we look at our GDP, obviously COVID had a massive impact. Bang, yep, we went down. We had two consecutive quarters of negative growth, which means that we had a technical recession. We've sprung back up again. We are now into a, a major lockdown, being New South Wales particularly, but also, you know, we just came out of one with Victoria and other things. But look past that, look past that and look to the trend line. Now, this trend line has been set since about, well, pre-2006, and you can see it's pretty consistent. So even though these bumps are in the road, the expectation is from right across the board, international monitors, et cetera, is to come back to that trend line. So by 23, 24, we are going to be on track to where we would have been if we didn't have COVID. And that's pretty cool. And I think that gives us a lot of stability as well. It, it's a recognition across the world of our economic stability, of our um, banking stability, and also of the resilience, I suppose, in our economy, their GDP and other things. So pretty happy about those results. Let's talk about property, because obviously that's my favourite topic. Let's talk about property. This chart really shows you just how strong house prices have been across the capital cities since, well, when COVID started. Now, the big surprise here is actually Perth. That's the black line. All the indicators for Perth have shown that it's it's got everything to go for. It's got makeup. It's got you know making up ground from the uh, you know the, the big drop that they had with the drop in the um, in the mineral prices that happened some time ago when the we had the mining mining boom and then the mining bust, and you know we've had some recovery and Perth's done pretty well, but it's actually flatlining. Which is interesting because commodity prices are so strong. So it's got me baffled as to why Perth is really performing the way it is at the moment. I would have expected it to be higher. Uh, The next one down there is is Melbourne. It's starting to uh, regain. It was the slowest to to come up because of all its lockdowns. Um, And you can see there across the board, everything else is looking pretty jolly, rosy. I would expect the next lot of figures to come out to show Sydney easing. It's not going to decline. Don't think that we're going to have massive price drop. It's going to ease. We won't have the amount of acceleration that we've perhaps seen, although you wait till I show you some of the clearance rates in Sydney. So these are. this is the problem. The main problem with what's going on right now is we don't have enough supply. So, even though we've got great uh, demand there and demand is, is, is right across the board, right across all the capital cities, all the regional areas, the demand is there. Reason for that is because we had the intervention of APRA back in 2017. So, for two years, we had this massive buildup of demand and unable to meet that demand because we couldn't borrow any money. Then, of course, we had COVID where everybody goes, whoa, let's just pull back now and not know what's going on. And now we're kind of past that. We're living with COVID, all of this stuff. And what we're seeing is that we just don't have enough supply. People are sitting on their properties. We don't have the new construction that should have been taking place for those two years when COVID stuck, when APRA stuck their nose in and cooled the economy too fast, too fast, way too fast. So what we see is uh, listings in Sydney are down um, for, the, uh, for the month there of, twi- sorry, for the year. So these are the yearly figures. So 12 months figures um, are down by 25%. Melbourne is about even. Brisbane is down 29%. This is listings. Um, Adelaide is down 27%. Perth's down 14%. Hobart's down 36, nearly 37%. Darwin's down 9%. And Canberra's down 25.5%. This is why we have such upward pressure on pricing, because the demand is still strong. Now, this is actually an American chart, but you can see here, and this is the same with, with Australia, demand is still strong. Lockdowns have, you know, they, they have some effect on, um, on the, um, sorry, this is not an American chart, it's an Australian chart, I don't know what I was talking about. Australian chart here, and it shows that lockdowns do have a short-term effect, but they don't have a long-term effect. So the demand is still there. It's just, you know, smoldering in the background, if you like, Here's another Australian chart. And what it shows is that rental demand is a similar story. So we're seeing, you know, rental prices just as high and just as much demand for accommodation right across the board. And why? Because during that period of time where we had two years of inability to be for people to be able to get out into the property market like they wanted to, a lot of those people were living at home, they were living in group housing, they were, uh, you know, there was a more condensed living. People wanna get out there, they want their own place, they wanna rent their own place and there's simply not enough supply. So the same time that all of that was going on, we didn't have the new construction. We are now paying for that because, because we didn't have new construction through that period of time, what we have is a massive, massive, massive shortage in supply and that is pushing prices up. What you see here is the rental uh, rental story. And look at those figures. Look at how much the, the rent has gone up for both housing and units. Units in Melbourne and Sydney are the lowest because of the oversupply, particularly in Melbourne. Melbourne is massively oversupply in apartments, particularly in the inner city. I've been saying this for months. Sydney is as well, but not as bad. So, you know, look at the figures. Look at the annual change in rents on housing. We've got 2.8% of Melbourne. Worst. That's the worst of all of them. Sydney's coming in at 7.2. Adelaide at 8.2. Brisbane at 9.4. Canberra at 8.4. Hobart at 9.5. Perth at 16.6. So, this is why I don't get the fact that the prices haven't jumped because the yields are jumping. You know, the yield is there, the demand is there, the supply is limited. Can't understand why those prices haven't soared the way I expected them to. Um, Darwin is sitting there at 22.7% increase in rents on housing. Very similar story across the, the board with units as well, or apartments, where Melbourne is the only one that's negative. It's at minus 4.9%. So that is because of the oversupply in apartments in Melbourne. So if you're thinking of buying apartments in Melbourne, for God's sake, please rethink there is an oversupply right now. Sydney was about neutral for apartments. Brisbane, 4.6. Adelaide, 4.9. Canberra, 6.1. Hobart, 11.1. Um, Perth, 14.6. And Darwin, 20 point, uh, 20.3. They are phenomenal figures. So, it's tight right across the board. Now, I want to talk about the word mean prices. Why do I want to talk about that? Well, the mean price, I need you to understand what it means first, is the middle or midway price between the highest and the lowest price in a sample of sale prices. For example, if you had a sample of three properties and one was at $1,050,000, one was at 1.1 million and one was at 1.3 million, the property that is in the middle is 1.1 million. It is not the average. Consequently, when a few months ago, I said that the mean price for a house in Sydney had topped all records at 1.2%, no, sorry, 1.2 million, you're going, well, why is the mean the median price now nine hundred and thirty-five? Because that was the property that was sold in the middle. It is not the average price. And I think this is something that a lot of people get confused about. It's something that, um, you know, it misleads a lot of the figures when you start listening to the mainstream media. So it's a sample, you know, and, and this month's sample shows you that the uh, median price in Sydney was 935000 So a lot, of, a lot of lower priced properties were sold for this week's figures. Uh, whereas in the figure where it topped $1.2 as the median house price in Sydney, a lot of higher price properties were sold. That's all it means. So you've really got to look at the trend lines more so than what the median house price is, because it can be very distorted by just a few sales um, in either the top end or the lower end. But for what it's worth, there are the figures, there are the numbers of sales that went through. So you can see there's decent quantities still being sold. This shows you a different format of the same figures. Sydney's still got the highest prices right across the board. Melbourne comes in next, then Brisbane, then Adelaide, then Perth, then Darwin, sorry, then Hobart, then Darwin, then uh, you've got Canberra up there at almost just as high as as the the prices there in Sydney. Now, this is units and housing, so it's the the combined, which units always pull down those figures. So Sydney and Canberra are the highest. Um, Melbourne comes next, and you can see the rest for yourself. This is just another chart that shows you exactly the same thing, except what this does also is it shows you the median house price, but it also shows you how long they were on the market and how much vendor discounting happened. So when we look at vendor discounting, what you're looking there at is how much did the property have to drop in price to get a sale? Because Properties always get listed at higher than they actually sell for, in most cases, not always. But the vendor discounting that we're seeing right now is pretty small. Uh, Perth is actually experiencing the highest vendor discounts, and then comes Adelaide. Sydney is still really tight, 2.2%, as is um, Canberra at 2.2%. So, you know that's that's not a lot of uh, discounting on the on the the big scheme of things, if you like. Days on the market, you can see there they range from Sydney at 42 days on the market, Melbourne at 48, uh, Brisbane at 49, Adelaide at 39, Perth at 47, still surprises me. Um, Hobart at 23, Darwin at 24, and Canberra at 37. So. Hobart's actually the hottest market right now, or it has been in the past. That is not an indication of what it's going to be in the future. Now, what we see here is uh, the Australian story is not out of the norm. This is what's happening right across the world. So this chart shows you global house prices. Global house prices are rocketing right across the board and uh, it's being led by America. You can see here, this is the American trend, and, and that 108% increase in house prices since the bottom of GFC, that is incredible. They've they've doubled in price, 100%, 100% increase since the, um, the bottom of the GFC. Very similar to the lead up to before GFC, before that happened. So America, you know, big increase there is house prices um, versus the inflation. Why is that the case? Because of bond buying. And what does bond buying mean? Quantitative easing. America, like Australia and most other countries around the world are going crazy with printing bonds, um, printing money to buy those bonds to get that money into the circulation in their countries. So the whole world is going through a reset. Is it going to stop? I don't believe so. I think we're seeing a new world order right now. I think we're seeing a new uh, setting of the global currencies. um, And this printing of money is not really affecting the overall picture. There's a few countries that aren't printing money, um, but their currencies are not responding in the same way as you expect them to, where they should skyrocket because everybody else is printing and they're not. It's actually not happening. And uh, I think there's a lot of market manipulation going on in that department, let me tell you. So what's the RBA say about all that? Well, it's a similar story back here. You know, we are coming back to our trend line. Um, The Mm. September figures are expected to taper off. Um, There'll be a little bit of a delay, uh, additional purchases out to November, uh, which would rise from around 42 billion to $53 53 billion. Dial up the pace to $6 billion a week would drive up to 64 billion. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of printing of money. And where's that money going? It's going back into the economy and particularly back into hard assets. Those hard assets are real estate. And in Australia, particularly, real estate is the go to asset, more so than stocks and shares. Obviously, stocks and shares are doing well as well. Um, but the go-to asset in Australia is definitely property, and that's what these um, this this chart here shows. It shows the massive, massive increase in dwelling prices right through to the end of you know end of August or wherever we are here in August—not end of August, but into August, second week of August—and um, uh, you know that's what it's showing. And and they're all on the way up. Perth being the one who's leveling out a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit. So, you know, that's, that's what we're seeing. So all of, the, all of the figures, all of the data, it's all making a lot of sense. Clearance rates. Now, this is something that's interesting. Obviously, we've had massive lockdowns in Sydney and in, uh, you know, now New South Wales in its entirety. Has it affected clearance rates? Well, it actually hasn't. Look at these figures. It hasn't affected clearance rates. Sure, they're down a little bit, but they're nowhere near what they could have been. A lot of a lot of uh, auctions are actually being deferred, and I think that's what's playing out in this chart. Auctions are being deferred and put off till a later date. There, however, the, the auctions are still strong. Look at that: seven hundred and twenty-one auction clearances, which means that properties were sold in auction at auction in. New South Wales in Sydney um, during this uh, this last week or so. Adelaide to 124. Um, Melbourne, 909 properties were sold at auction. And you can see the other figures. Brisbane, 181. Perth, not so much. And see, this is the thing. People just aren't buying. Uh, and that's why the price is going where it is. 14 in, in Perth, 120 five in Canberra, Canberra's still very strong, and only three in Tasmania, Darwin didn't even get one. Let's have a look at what Westpac's predicting. Obviously Westpac, like all the other banks, have got a big economic force and economists behind them making predictions about what the market's going to do so that they can react and start to set their interest rates accordingly and their policies accordingly. Well, these are the figures that have been released recently from Westpac. Now, the uh, red line, the red dot, if you see, is New South Wales and Victoria, which is the largest part of our economy. The black dot is the rest of Australia. So you can see there the prediction is that turnover is going to increase, but prices are going to increase dramatically. Why? Same old story, not enough supply. Dwelling price forecast. This is interesting because it shows you right out to 2023. So 2021 is still expected to be very, very strong. And I can't see it being any different. In fact, I think some of those figures are probably a little bit light on. 22% increase for Sydney, 16% increase for Melbourne, 18% increase for Brisbane, 12% for Perth, 14% for Adelaide, 18% for uh, Hobart and 18% across the country. What is interesting, obviously that's a massive increase for the 2021, and I can't see it being any different. What is interesting is that their prediction is that 2022 is going to be increases, but much smaller. And by 2023, they expect there to be a correction. I disagree. And here's why. I believe that by 2023, we will have the borders open. Now, only time will tell as to whether I'm right or they're right. Right been pretty right in the past, I can tell you, though. But my prediction is that by 2023, we're going to have the borders open. We're going to have an uh, increase in migration. Why are we going to have that? Because we need it. The Australian government has made it very, very clear that they want immigration numbers to, to come up as soon as, as possible, as healthily possible, they say. Well, not for their words, but that's what it means. But as soon as we open those borders, you're going to see a massive increase in people wanting to come to Australia. People have had enough. You know, there's a lot of Australians wanting to return, but there's a lot of overseas migrants that want to come here, and it's from all places. It's from England. It's from Europe. It's from America. It's from Asia. It's from all over the place. South um, South Africa. Everywhere. And as soon as we open those floodgates, even a little bit, we're going to have massive migration. Now, that means an immediate demand on pricing, an immediate demand on housing. And I don't expect those figures to go negative in 2023. Obviously, I'm betting on the fact that we will have our borders open. These figures that have been put out by Westpac are very much based on a closed economy. I don't think that's going to be the case. We're talking two years down the track, um, you know, over two years because we're not finished 2021 yet. And uh, I, can't see, I can't see that happening. But I could be wrong. I think it'll take us at least through to the mid-20s before we're going to start to see a correction in the market. This is uh, the state-based expectations of house prices. And you can see New South Wales up, Victoria up, Queensland up, um, WA pretty much where it is again. I can't see that happening. I would expect WA to do a little bit better than that, but we'll see what happens. When we we look at actual um, price increases versus expectations, and this goes right back to uh, two thousand and eleven, you can see there that the actual pricing is more. Um, I guess it's an even a line than what we see for uh, for expectation on the downward side what we see is the real pricing never gets as bad as people think and on the upward side we tend to to go higher than people expect it's an interesting analogy of human psychology now uh again this is the real problem and westpac has recognized that we don't have enough stock so new and total listings versus sales, we just don't have enough stock to sell. I mean, and you know, my mates of mine that are in real estate, that are real estate agents, they say the same thing: give me something to sell, and I'll sell it in a, you know, in in a couple of weeks. In a lot of cases, particularly where I live, and this is what we're seeing right across the board. This shows a slight fall for the June quarter, um, but it barely makes a dent in the house price surge. So. It's looking at, um, I guess, June quarter, it was the, the Victorian lockdown. We, the um, main strength of the lockdowns in New South Wales haven't hit the figures yet. So we're still seeing lots of sales, we're still seeing lots of demand, um, but we're just not seeing the listings. So my truth bomb for the week is we are a three-tiered world, but a three-tiered country definitely. There are those who have the right assets. The right assets is not just property. It's the right type of property. I was talking to a student of mine who bought a property back um, in uh, GFC times and uh, it was the wrong type of property. They weren't a student of mine then, they are now. That property, some 10 odd years later, is still only just now worth what they paid for it. That's the wrong type of property. See, that's the power of education. The more educated you are, the better decisions you make. And it's not just about the economic stuff. It's about what type of property? What can I do with it? What, you know, what, how do things work? What, what's the expectations? How do I do grid variance analysis, which tells you where to buy? How do I do feasibilities? How do I do reverse visas? How do I structure it? There's a whole lot more to investing in real estate than just buying a property. There are number two are those who have the wrong type of asset, just like Sharon, the girl I mentioned there before who bought the wrong property back in an uneducated Sharon. So this is where I want you to be educated Sharons, not uneducated Sharons. And of course, then you've got the third category, which is those who don't have assets. Well, they're going to suffer the most. Um, not, Not much worse than category two. Making a wrong decision can take you totally in the wrong direction. And for some of you, making the wrong decision can send you bankrupt. Um, Next week, I want to talk specifically about the building industry and what that means. And this is going to be a big area where people can get very caught if they don't know what they're doing. So these figures here show that uh, the the top 10% and what's, what's happened there right back, through uh, the, the uh, to the 1900s we've gone back to here, and how, uh, you know, there's a, a greater divergence between those who have and those who have not, not only in Australia. And I think this chart here really shows it more than anything. The top quartile or the top, top um, 20%, not quartile, the top 20% across the world, look at the how, how their wealth has dramatically increased compared to the other in the world because of COVID, because of the things that have happened, because of education, because of of, uh, being able to invest, regardless of whether people have got money or not. And uh, that's where education comes in, which is why I want you to take up one of my offers here, which is my free 60 minute breakthrough real estate session. It's with one of my advisors. I've set some times aside, they are free. All you've got to do is go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. The sooner you do it, the better results you're going to get. Putting it off until, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to that, simply is not going to work for you. You've seen what's happened. If you've been following me for any length of time, you'll heard me speak back in, back in COVID, back before COVID, when I talked about what was happening in the market. And everything I said then is now playing out to a T. So I would like you to give yourself the opportunity to step up, give yourself the opportunity to actually, to actually be all that you can be, be in that top 20% and not in the other quarters which, which are floundering. And it's times like this where you've got the opportunity to set yourself up for generations to come where you'll never have to work again a day in your life if you choose not to. So, guys, that's it from me this week. Those sessions are free. I really, really, really want you to book in, get yourself a free session uh, with one of my advisors. They can talk to you about how we can help you and how you can accelerate to actually achieve whatever level of financial success you want. So, thank you, guys, for listening. It's been great to chat to you all on the, uh, you know, on this intelligent property investor masterclass. And I will catch you all again next time. On my uh, my weekly updates. So, bye for now. Stay safe, and I'll catch you again soon. Bye now.